Wonderful. Well, if you're new to uh, Outlook, we're on a journey at the moment. Here it is. It's called I Do, and uh, we're talking about marriages. And uh, if you're not married, please don't zone out or dial out because uh, I believe it's relevant for you as well. Maybe you're wanting to be married one day. Maybe you're a granny or a grandpa. And uh, the Bible says that those who are older, especially you grannies, it's your job to pastor the younger ladies in terms of loving their husband, loving their children. So I believe it's got implications for all of us. And it's got implications for our different relationships as well, especially what I'm going to speak about today. So, the statistics of marriage are not good, and statistics of marriage in the church are not much better. And even when we did a survey recently, it it came to our realization, actually marriages are under attack, and, and the church, we should be the shining light of hope when it comes to marriage, but sadly, it's not always the case. Someone once said this, they said, a problem well stated is a problem half solved, Sometimes the hardest thing is just to, what exactly is the problem? Because once we clearly, once we can understand exactly what the problem is, well, that's probably half of the solution already right there. So what's the problem? When we did that little survey a couple of weeks ago, some of you took part in, and one of the things you struggle with most in marriage, is it roles, is it leadership, is it communication, is it finance, sex, what children, what is it? It came back overwhelmingly, communication. In other words, in loving kindness, church, we're bad. Most of us in our marriages are actually bad at communicating in marriage. And what's at the root of it? Well, the issues, as I said, they could be anything, uh, but the root of the problem, any little problem that you can't communicate about then becomes a big problem. The big idea is the problem is that the teams... Husband-wife team is not working as a team. They're working against each other and not for each other and with each other. And normally the problem with a team comes down to this thing called communication. So chances are the problem with your marriage right now is your poor communication skills. And so before we get into the next couple of episodes speaking about biblical roles in marriage and and all of those sort of things, I, I believe we've got to start here. We've got to own this. And realize, Lord, if if we want to see your glory breaking into our marriages, if we want to not just settle in marriage, but grow in marriage, we're going to have to get better at this thing called communication. A problem well stated is a problem half solved. So what is so difficult about communication? One of our, the, the episodes we watched at our GLS, that's the Global Leadership Summit. We host that big global leadership uh, event every year. And one of the speakers He spoke about this thing called critical conversations. And he said a critical conversation is a conversation you know you should have because you're having it in your head all the time. And if you're having a conversation in your head, then it's probably time to have it with the person. But a critical conversation is one that's got high emotion attached to it and high stakes. In other words, it's really important. This is a big thing and there's lots of emotion involved. But the problem is then it becomes scary. And uh, I know with, with myself and, and my darling wife, I win all of our arguments in my head. <laughs> and no matter how I look at the argument, I still come up winning in my head. I mean, it's obvious and it's clear and we know where the fault lies. But what I've learned over 27 years of marriage is when it 
comes out, it doesn't come out right, and I always end up wrong. <laughs> and so what happens is, when I know I, I need to have one of these conversations, I'm practicing and practicing and practicing in my head, and I know it's probably still not going to go well. And, and then, I mean, what is it that's hard? Well, one, fear is one of them. I struggle with it. There's just the fear of the fear of speaking up, the fear of being honest, the spirit, fear of vulnerability, the, the fear of facing up to issues, the fear of being judged, the fear of shame. These fears hold us back and rather just let me suffer in silence and, and, and show you that I'm mad rather than speak out that I'm mad. Sometimes what makes it so difficult is, is the assumptions that we carry inside. We assume we are ready are fully understood and understand exactly what's going on. We assume we know the whole story. Literally, I've had conversations with, maybe it's you, maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're one of them. And I've sat with you speaking about marriage before, and you tell me your side of the story, and I said, well, I, I hear you, and I hear your, your wife seems to be related to Satan, I get that, but before I can say anything, I need to hear your wife's side of the story. And, and the guy will say, no, listen, honestly, what I'm telling you is the 100% truth. You don't have to talk to her. What I'm telling you, I promise you, is the truth. Hmm. <laughs> and you know that we have a version of truth, they have a version of truth, and then there's the real truth somewhere in the middle. Assumptions, assuming we know the full story, assuming we know the problem and solution, assuming we have the whole truth, assuming that the other person is usually to blame. What makes it difficult sometimes is the, the, the excess emotion inside of us. Knowing that, I know if I, if I open this door, it's going to come, there's going to be anger, there's going to be tears, there's going to be emotions. It's frustrating. And sometimes what makes it hard is, well, you've just given up on the inside. Well, we've tried before. We try to talk, it gets us nowhere. It just leads to another fight. So honestly, let's just plod along. And so you sit in a stalemate. Most marriages could be miraculously solved if we could just learn to communicate. So what's at the root? Problem well stated is a problem half solved. What is at the root of our difficult conversation? I discovered that, I, this I didn't realize, 95 times in the Bible are these words, listen to me. God says to the people, listen to me. The prophets say to the people, listen to me. People say to one another, listen to me. Here's what happens. The reality is in our hearts, we carry a desire. I want to be heard. Listen to me, but we, we're not very good at listening to the other person. And right here is the root of what I want to talk about today. I wish I could just say a prayer right now. Lord, come and pop open all of our ears and turn us into great listeners. And I want to I show us today how biblical and powerful, I want us to catch a revelation today that listening is loving. Listening is loving. Listening is not about me, it's about the other person. And one of the greatest ways I can show love and kindness and respect to someone is offering my ears and becoming a great listener. In most marriages, the problem is that we desperately want to be listened to, but we don't really want to listen to others. So what can we do? Practically, two things I want to focus on. Actually, I'm just going to mention the first one. Number one, as I said, we need a revelation that to listen is to love. 88 times in the Bible, it says God heard. Now, if you've done believers training with me, 
One of the things we learn in believers' training, we talk about the attributes of God, the, the characteristics of God that set him apart from all of his creation. And one of those amazing attributes of God is that he is omniscient. That's a fancy word that just means all-knowing. In other words, God knows everything. He knows everything about the past, the present, the future. Everything there is to be known, God already knows. He knows your thoughts. He knows your hearts. He knows your desires. He knows what you're going to do. God knows everything. So why would a God who knows everything have to listen? I mean, it's like, oh, I never thought about that. Steve, I'm glad I listened to you. No, he already knew it. So why would a God who knows everything about everything, 88 times it says God heard? Because maybe it's not about the listener as much as it's about the one talking. Listening is not about you. God is showing us that even though he knows everything, he loves us by listening to us. Does that make sense? We think it's just about information. I need to listen to get information. No, you need to listen to love someone. Even if you know it already, it's not about you. It's about them. They need to be able to speak and you can love them by giving them your ears. And then, secondly, we need a revelation. To listen is to love. Number two, we're going to have to practice. It's a well-known scripture. I'm sure you've heard it many times. Your spouse has probably quoted it to you. In James chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, please say everyone. Everyone. That doesn't just mean your spouse. It means you. Own it. Everyone should be quick to listen. Please say quick to listen. Slow to speak. Say slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, we know that when we are born, the the little default settings of our heart are set towards sin and not towards the kingdom. That's what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. And sin entered the world from that moment on, even their children, remember their children, one of them murdered the other one. As they were born from that moment, the default settings of the heart are not towards God, they're towards sin. So when we read the scripture that says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, those default settings are all the other way around when you are born into the world. And it's true, isn't it? In other words, you're born, your natural instinct is to be slow to listen. I mean, what's the point? I already know it anyway. Quick to speak because I've got a sharp mind and I've got an answer and I can defend myself and I can come back at you. And quick to be angry because the angriest person gets heard the most. Hmm. We got to re- This is why we need to repent. Because we are called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And I want you to realize that's your starting point. That's my starting point, but I've been born again. I'm not a son of the line of Adam. I'm son of the line of Christ. And in Christ, those default settings get switched. They're called repentance. We repent and say, right, Lord, I want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Notice as well that it is for everyone. Every single one of us need to learn this. And this is the, the thing that jumped out at me from this passage is the way it links listening to people to listening to God. It says, so humbly accept the word planted in you. In other words, listen 
to what God has said to you. It says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become hangry. Get rid of the moral fault and listen, humbly accept what God has spoken into your heart from his word. And then I suddenly realized we're not going to be better at listening to God than we are at listening to others. Have you ever thought about it? I never thought about that before. It's like, oh, no, Lord, I'm your voice. I'm dialed in. I want to listen to you, Lord. It's just people that are annoying. No, no. You're not going to be better. If you haven't got the time to listen to others, you're not going to have time to listen to God. This guy, Bonhoeffer, he said it like this. He says, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle. I don't know what that word means, but I can guess. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? I suddenly realized, Lord, because listening is not about me. Listening is about loving. It's about giving people the the love of your ears and your attention to hear them out. That's the big shocker for me. You'll only be as good at listening to God as you are at listening to others. Do you know what defines us as followers of Jesus? It's not the fish on your bumper or the scripture on your, your phone or the little messages you send out. What defines us as followers of Christ, Jesus said in John 10 verse 27, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We defined as followers of Christ, we followers, we defined as listeners, listeners to Jesus. And listeners to Jesus learn to listen to his people, his body as well. So, how bad are you? Let's just be real for a moment. I mean, how bad are you? I, 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 I thought I was quite good, actually, as a listener. I mean, I'm a pastor, I'd, I'd listen to people. My loving wife, gently assured me I'm not very good at listening. So that, that became level. Now, I want, I want to ask you, how bad are you? I've got two sources. One is my own, but the other was, uh, I did a quick internet search, found this uh, website, Business Insider, and they gave us five signs that you're talking to a bad listener. Number one, they judge. Ever spoken to someone like that? And you just know, as you talk, oh, they are just cutting you down. Number two, oh, this is terrible. They minimize. You, you're pouring out the pain in your heart, and oh, come on, it's not really that bad. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, you're making it sound much worse than it was. Oh, it was just a joke. Take it easy. They minimize. Number three, they discount feelings. Oh, come on, you're silly to feel that way. Well, these are my feelings. They've got nothing to do with you. I don't. Anyway, number four. Oh, this is bad. All of you engineers, just take a deep breath. They give advice. Oh. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I used to, I'll tell you many times, I used to be an amazing pastor because I knew how to fix people. <laughs> Just kind of first, second line of their introduction and I've already diagnosed the problem. I've got three scriptures and four points lined up. I can fix you. Just And people don't want to be fixed. They want to be listened to. And all the men said, okay. <laughs> and number five, or sign of a bad listener is they just don't respond at all. Ugh. I added five more signs. Sign, bad sign number one is they talk too much. Never met a great listener who's always talking. Number two, hey, I'm guilty here. Number two, they interrupt. 
Number three. I am listening. <laughs> yo, 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 carry on. <laughs> Have you had that? They're distracted. Now, I'm giving you my full, full, full half attention. <laughs> they distracted, or, or while the TV's on, it's, yeah. They distracted. And all, number four, they ask no questions. What you're going to discover, if you're serious about repenting and learning to love people by listening, is the way you listen is by drawing them a little bit deeper. Most people desperately want to share what's inside of them, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But that fear that I spoke about is holding them back. So they'll begin to share the tip of the iceberg. That's why you've got to be quick to listen. You've got to realize quick to listen means they've just shared a tip of the iceberg. If I know how to listen well, I can draw out what's deep inside of them, which will bring healing and help to them. And what you need then is those little qualifying questions or the little questions. So, so is this what you're saying or how do you mean that? And, and if you ask the right questions, it'll draw out the real depths of their heart, which is a huge blessing. Or then number five, they show disinterested body language. Ever had that before? Crossed arms, turned aside. Anyway, you've got it. So let's get practical. Why is listening going to take your marriage to the next level? I think I've got uh, five things here. How, why? why is listening going to be crucial? Number one, because it's going to make your marriage more godly. And you want God in your marriage. We need help. And the more we listen the more godly our marriage becomes. Let me give you some examples. Genesis 30, verse six. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea. Verse number 17. God listened to Leah and she became pregnant and brought Jacob a fifth son. Verse number 22. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. In other words, our God listens. Our God listens. And our job as followers of Jesus, as sons of God, is to begin to reflect our Father more and more and more. You serve the God who listens, and as a son of God, he's going to be training you to listen as well. Listening is loving. We reflect God as we listen. Exodus 2 verse 24, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant. Our God listens and cares. That guy Bonhoeffer, he said this, we should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. It's beautiful. Number two, and this is crucial, why is it so important? Why is listening gonna improve your marriage? Because listening gives your spouse an emotional pressure release valve. Had the privilege of, of chatting to a, a group of ladies, actually, of the, the Mirancia CPF, because what they're discovering in Mirancia and probably most of the suburbs in the, the community policing forum is that it's not housebreaking and attacks from the outside that they're responding to. What they're responding is to suicides and domestic violence on the inside. In other words, what's happening is the enemy is not attacking from there. The enemy is exploding on the inside. And domestic violence and outbursts of rage or when pressure becomes too much and you take it out on those you should be loving and protecting the most. Or you get into depression and suicide where instead of exploding outward, you're exploding inward. And it reminded me of the fact that like each one of us, it's, it's as if there is a pressure cooker inside of us. I worked in a factory environment and as part of a process control engineer, we had to control the pressure inside of some of those vessels. And some of you work in those factory environments and you know the operator has to keep things running smoothly, but you also know there's a second system. There's always a second system on those, on those vessels in case everything goes wrong. 
And if everything goes wrong, there has to be an emergency safe, fail safe. There has to be a pressure release valve to stop it from blowing up. And God in his grace has created us, mankind, with a pressure release valve, and it's called talking it out. Talking it out. And the ability to talk things out is just put them into words. In your mind, it's kind of here's where the pressure is because your fears, doubts, worries, they swim inside of you and the, the thoughts lead to emotions. The emotions lead to more thoughts. But our minds, they kind of, it's, it's like the washing machine. They're spinning round and round. But when you speak it out, they become linear. You process them. You can put them into order. But if you don't have someone to confide in, if you don't have someone, a friend, a spouse, a counselor, someone, if you don't have someone to be actually speak it out with, then they stay secrets. And secrets, remember, live in darkness. And what lives in the darkness belongs to the devil. What lives in the light belongs to God. That's why listening is loving, because you're giving people the gift of that pressure release valve. Now, my parents, they're probably watching online, and, and they've been married 54 years. Well done, mom and dad. Um, they haven't got a perfect marriage, but one thing, looking back now that I realized, is my dad, love you, dad, is um, he's, been, he's, he's had his moments of anger. I mean, we've been to plenty of restaurants where the manager was called or the shop owner was called because the quality's not up to scratch. But what I realized, thinking back on my childhood, we always ate dinner at 7 o'clock, and at six o'clock, my dad would have arrived home. And from six o'clock to seven o'clock, every single night that I can remember from my childhood, my mom and my dad were in the kitchen together cooking. And I don't think I ever heard my mom's voice once. But what I heard was my dad, blow for blow, moment by moment, speaking about his day. And my mom, as they cooked together, must have just graciously listened and listened to every meeting, every conversation, every, but what was happening was not the exchange of information, but was the release of the pressure valve. And well done, mom. I think now that I realize that, I can see you are giving the gift of listening because listening is loving and listening helps depressurize someone as they talk. Third reason, why? Listening is going to take your marriage to the next level because then your spouse will no longer be married to a fool. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Because Proverbs 18 verse 2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. So if that's you and all you want to do is tell your spouse and talk all the time, the Bible very graciously and lovingly calls you a fool. Proverbs 18 verse 13, to answer before listening. Anyone done that? That is folly and shame. Hectic. The Bible would call a spouse who refuses to listen but only to speak the opinion a fool. And who wants to be married to a fool? Have mercy on your poor spouse and listen. And number four, why is listening going to take your marriage to the next level? Because listening heals. There's a he there's, it's in Proverbs 20 verse 5, it says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And that's the beauty. I'm telling you now, there's so much more inside of your spouse, the deep waters, like the iceberg beneath the water. But it takes a skilled listening ear to draw it out. This guy Bonhoeffer, he said this, he said, half-eared listening. Do you know what half-eared listening means? despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus to get rid of the other person. Poor listening rejects, good listening embraces. 
Poor listening diminishes the other person, while good listening invites them to exist and to matter. Bonhoeffer writes, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. Giving your spouse the gift of listening is giving them the gift of love. Most people, they already know how to solve their problems. What they need is someone just to depressure with, just to process what's going on inside of them. To listen is to love, to listen is to lead, to listen is to heal. So let me leave you with a couple of practical, very practical thoughts. One of Dunn's, this is a guy writing about listening. I was doing some research. He counsels for cultivating good listening. He said, put more emphasis on affirmation than on answers. Yo, men, engineers, let me read that again for me and your benefit. Put more emphasis on affirmation than on answers. When someone talks to you, they're not actually looking for your advice or solutions or fix. They're looking for affirmation. Many times God simply wants to use me as a channel of his affirming love as I listen with compassion and understanding. Often a person can be helped merely by having someone who will listen to him seriously. Now, many of you sometimes think we, we're surrounded by people who've got problems and issues and inside you, you want to help, but you're not a trained counselor. I'm not a trained, I don't know how to help people. Most people don't need help, they need listening. And sometimes just listen, just taking the time to listen well, listen well, ask the right questions, they will like walk away and say, oh, thank you for your amazing wisdom. And it's like, I, I, I didn't say anything. No, actually, they already know, and God has been speaking to them. They just need someone to process it out. At times, what our neighbor needs most is for someone else to know. Learning to listen. Listening to the heart and not just the words. This is what I've been trying to teach Adam here for years. Listening with your eyes and not just your ears. And you're getting it right, but well done. Listen with questions and not just solutions. Listen to heal and not just give advice. Listen to understand, not to trip someone up in their words. Listen to draw them out into safety. Listening is a solution. Listening is respecting. Listening is offering a safety valve to someone. I read a, or actually heard a story about missionaries who went into a, a village somewhere in Africa wanting to be a blessing. And uh, what they noticed is how there was no water source in the village. The nearest river or water source was about two or three kilometers. And so the ladies every day, they had to take their buckets or whatever, and they had to trek all the way two, three kilometers, load up their buckets, and then walk all the way back carrying these heavy uh, containers full of water. And so what they did is they sunk a beautiful borehole right in the middle and water gushed out and there was this incredible celebration moment. We now have fresh water in the middle of the town. And, and there was an amazing party. And, and a year later, they went on another mission trip to just go and see how the, the town had grown and it was dead. It was just people were there. The joy was gone. The excitement was gone. The, the sense of life was gone. And the people, there was fighting. There was animosity. And they were like, what's happened? The water was flowing, it's right there. What happened is that every day all the ladies would go together to fetch water. And you know what ladies do when they're together? They talk, 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 and listen, 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 and share, 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 and they get their water and they do it coming back. And what happened is that sense of communication which leads to community was broken. Listening 
is crucial. A problem well stated is a problem half solved. So what's the problem? Most marriages struggle because of poor communication skills rooted in poor listening skills. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God's will for your life is to become a better listener, not just in marriage, but in life, not just to your spouse, but to God, to friends, to acquaintances, to colleagues, to everyone you meet. And remember, you only listen to God as well as you listen to others. So let's repent and become great listeners. Can you say amen to that? I want to remind you as well that God hears. God hears. And maybe you're here today and you've got no one, you've had no one who listens to you. I want to remind you, God hears. And just as God hears, heard Leah and Rachel, he heard their cry and responded, maybe today God has brought you here for such a time as this to say, I hear and I want to respond. So why don't you stand together with me, please? If you don't mind closing your eyes just for a moment, I want to start by reminding you the good news of the kingdom of God is that Jesus Christ, he made the way by becoming the way for sinful men and women like us to be connected to his heavenly father. A father who listens, a father who loves, a father who cares. And friends, the only way we can respond is by turning our hearts to this Jesus. In view of your great mercy, we turn to you, Lord Jesus. Friends, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never turned your heart to this Jesus who is the way, who wants to connect you to the love of his heavenly father. Do you know Jesus, the great shepherd? The great shepherd. Jesus, as we follow you, goodness and mercy follow after us. And so if you're here this morning and you've never turned your life to following after Jesus, We would so love to pray with you. We'd love to introduce you to this Jesus and introduce you to how you can have a relationship with your Father in heaven. And maybe some of you, maybe you've never gone public with your decision. In your heart, you've already said, yes, Lord, I'm all in. Well, Jesus said, repent, which puts some action to it. Begin walking in my ways. And one of the first steps is then to be baptized, to go public. It's like the wedding ceremony when you say, yes, Jesus, I'm connected to you. I'm united to you. So if you're here this morning and, and have repented but never been baptized, come and chat to us. We would, what a beautiful day to baptize someone. We're ready. For the rest of us, just with our eyes closed, I want to ask you, are you a good listener? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask you, do you think your spouse or friends would say you're a good listener. Or maybe I should ask you this. Are you ready today to offer your ears as an instrument of loving others? Are you willing to repent from seeing listening as just gathering information to listening as a way of communicating love? Because if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love you to just lift up your hands just as a sign of yieldedness before God. Father, I pray supernaturally right now that you would come and touch our ears. Just Jesus, as you physically healed people of deafness, I pray that spiritually you would come and touch our ears right now. 
open our ears. Give us a revelation to listeners to love. A new tool we have. Jesus, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God and to love one another. He has a way that we can love you more. He has a way we can love others more by offering our ears to listen. Come and touch our ears, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, let this word produce fruit in our hearts and fruit in our marriages. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing goodness and your incredible love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Friends, before I, before I say amen, I'm going to be uh, off to Brazil on Thursday. I'm leading a team of a couple of folk from around the country. <clears throat> We're going to be next weekend in Sao Paulo ministering to a bunch of churches actually coming together, teaching them about uh, apostolic pattern and leadership, and then off to Belo Horizonte, another city in, uh, in Brazil for the weekend after that. Please will you be praying for us. Just this is a crucial time. We've got an equip conference, a gathering of the saints to encourage and equip and prepare them. So please be praying for that. But uh, over the next couple of weeks, we've got more episodes on uh, the roles in marriage, the challenges in marriage, sex in marriage. All of those things are coming along. So please, let's keep working at our marriages. Father, thank you for marriage. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Thank you that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand is upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen.